news. And then I got to, uh, oh, he's still president. <laughs> right. Everything, you, everything sucks. Three Fuck. minutes? I literally three had minutes. three uninterrupted minutes, not of internet in total, of going outside. This is what I'm doing now. Oh, oh. I'll look at my phone. And then I looked at my phone. And as I'm looking, I, I got about, you know, a scroll and a half down. And then he, he said something about being, uh, I consider myself non-denominational. And it's like, uh, it wasn't even that offensive. It was just like, it probably The reality was. comes crashing yeah, back in. that's what it was. It was just the, real, the hard reality of what Earth is comes crashing back in on me and I was like, all right, I'm alive and everything's terrible. Fuck. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show that will be ending in a few months, but be on the lookout in June 2021 for Watcher's Guide Volume 2, Number 1. I'm Max, and the reading list will not be interrupted. Yeah, we're just going to pick up. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. there will be all sorts of backstory. You will have no idea what we're talking about. (coughs) Characters will be introduced, and it'll just be assumed that you know who they are. Yes. Uh, I'm JR. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, whatever. Off to a great Uh, start. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, uh, how's it going? Um, it goes. I'm tired. My allergies have been an absolute bastard for like a week and a half. Uh, yeah. So I apologize to everyone who has to listen to me. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I do. I do as well, but for other reasons. Mm-hmm. How are you? Uh. I am, I'm alive. I'm alive. I, uh, yeah. Shitty sleep for several days. Like by, by the end of the day yesterday, I was, I may have been hallucinating somewhat. Mm. I'm not sure. Cause it was just, it would be like, I'd go to bed and then I'd wake up and I'd be awake. For the rest of the night, and then maybe I'd get another hour of sleep. And I know, I know, supposedly, like they say that we're actually meant to, we're not meant to sleep through the night. Supposedly, like that, uh, we're meant to go to bed, wake up, have a little bit, and then go back to sleep. And um, not me, not me. I cannot function that way. I mean. I, I don't I haven't read the research, but I have definitely heard the the same the same people who want to sell me magical water um, definitely talk about like no you only really need three hours of sleep interrupted by or every you only need three hours of sleep every four hours for and I'm like how do you what yeah no I I sleep for three hours then I get up and I do my Peloton or whatever. And then I, it's, it's, yeah, it's tech bro. Those are the only guys that I ever hear telling me about that. Yeah. And then they, and then they try to sell me, uh, homeopathic magic water that has 
uh, bubbles or something in it, and um, bubbles. It, yeah, and alkali. where do you get this magical <laughs> man? Tom Brady has got it. The guy for you. Um, <laughs> seriously, Tom Brady is insane. Go look at it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's <laughs> it's not surprising, I suppose. But like, yeah. It's whatever. Like, finding out Tom Brady is insane does not... It doesn't shake my world. You know what I mean? (laughs) No. Like, like, you know, finding finding out... There were some people that if I found out they had really fucking weird beliefs, that it would just be like, oh, oh man. But that's... What? And then Tom Brady, it's just like... But those are like... The people that you'd be like, uh, like, shook are if you found out that people in your real life, like, people you knew had fucked up crazy, like, were into... And I'm not talking, like... But, like, hardcore into crystals or something (laughs) like that. You'd be like, oh, Janice's didn't... Maybe I should have called it? I don't know. But, like, if you find out that, you know, Russell Wilson or... It's mostly football players that about that i know are fucking crazy um but yeah you find out celebrities of any stripe are insane you'd just be like well all right especially athletes athletes especially it's really easy to just be like oh you're into of course you are because you're extremely good at one fucking thing and that thing is that that, one thing causes brain injury (laughs) well yeah like, if I find out that hockey players are into, like, one of my favorite hockey players is, is Sidney Crosby, and apparently, he, I hope to God he doesn't listen to this, but apparently he has the personality of an absolute brick. Um, <laughs> and that's not hard for me to understand, like, how that happens, because you are driven and committed to learning and doing and becoming the absolute best at one goddamn thing everything else gets thrown to the wayside. So when it comes yeah. to like normal conversation, you do not possess the faculty to do that. Yeah. It's been drilled out of you because it, the space in your personality for that has been taken over by the thing you do. And yeah. what you do is, is hockey or starting pitchers are like that too and it's really easy to understand why like the the be- the best the most well-read members of a baseball team are always relieving pitchers cuz you don't have to do that every day you might not yeah. even get called in who knows right yeah i don't know personalities are weird okay on that note news <laughs> yep uh so, just a couple things this week. Number one, apparently King and Black, uh, there's going to be a tie-in called Return of the Valkyries, uh, which will see a new Valkyrie, comics-wise, uh, and then a Jane Foster, former Valkyrie Danny Moonstar, and Hildegard, uh, teaming up to do stuff. I assume it's stuff related to King and Black, not just like 
they're getting together to do macrame. Uh, I assume it's it's fighting symbiotes, but uh, that's but a real the, fun team though. It, like, it's yeah. Any team that prominently features Hildegard, I'm in for just because yeah. she's fun as fuck in the books yeah. we we've read on this show, where she just does like she doesn't she's not the butt of the joke, too, like. She's enormous and will kick the shit out of you. That's awesome. Yeah, she's like she's like a less comic reliefy Volstag, in that she's she's a large warrior woman. Yeah, not not necessarily fat, just no, just big, big. Uh, and she's like affable. She's uh-huh. friendly as can be, but when like shit goes down, she will cleave ahead in twain. Like. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, she's a sensitive version of, well, of her, she's her own thing, because she, she also, if I remember correctly, there are a couple of stories where, like, Sif is going through Sif things, and she's the one that's like, hey, um, is everything okay? Do you need help? Like, let's... Yeah. Let's go kick some shit. I'm really good at kicking the crap out of things, but I'm also... Like, if you need to talk it out, we can do that, too. Like, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, but the the new Valkyrie they're introducing, at least visually, calls to mind uh, Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie from the MCU. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be a direct one-to-one, but uh, but definitely... She she has a Tessa Thompson esque look to her, um, so yeah, that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. Down for some for some uh, some new Valkyrie. Uh, the other thing is Marvel has announced that as of January, Magnificent Ms. Marvel is going to be ending, um, and I'm really annoyed by this uh not even it's and it's not even to do uh with the quality of the book i mean saladin ahmed is awesome i love his writing so yeah but um it's the fact that with all of the ms marvel stuff going on between her being in the video game and her TV show having just been cast and stuff like that I know this is a planned relaunch and we gotta fucking stop with all the relaunches we have to have to you can't be you can't be trying to you can't be out here trying to draw in new readers and then make it as confusing as fucking possible to read the book Yeah, I mean <clears throat> Like, if somebody... Okay, so let's say, hypothetical situation, because I know that most new readers are probably coming in via trade paperbacks and stuff like that. Hypothetically, let's say you are a new reader who's like, I I really like this character from the video game. She's got a TV show coming out. I want to know more about her. Uh... Number one, if you walk into one of these comic shops that they have around uh, and you just pick up 
Ms. Marvel number one. It's not a new book. There's going to be backstory, which means you're going to be sitting there going, okay, what other things do I need to have read to have read this? A number one should be a jumping on, a jumping on point, preferably with a new character. I'm sorry. It's, you know, like we were talking about before, if a book does not have the sales numbers and gets canceled and then comes back later as a new number one, that's one thing. But there are a ton of occasions where Marvel and <coughs> DC as well will cancel a book and start it with a new number one just because. And that's bullshit. And I hate it. And uh, the second thing is, like, let's say, let's say you're a new reader and you come into a comic shop and you come on board at issue three. And you say, okay, I will go back and get issues one and two. You ask the employee who works there in some shops, probably a pretty sullen dude um, who wants nothing to do with you. Uh, possibly a dude who is in the, who is angry about SJWs and Ms. Marvel in particular. Uh and you say, hi, uh, I need I need issue one and two of Ms. Marvel. Then they'll say, which volume? And yeah. you'll be like, what? Having never read comics before. And they'll be like, well, there's Ms. Marvel volume one, Ms. Marvel volume two, the magnificent Ms. Marvel or the current volume. And stuff like that. And that's just needlessly confusing. Yeah. You need to stop renumbering shit just because, because some of these books are up to like volume eight or nine. Yeah. And that's bullshit. Yeah. And then when you do wind up resuming the numbering, then you have volume one numbers one through 378 then you have volume two, numbers one through 12, volume three, numbers one through 17, volume four, numbers one through, you know, whatever. And then volume one, numbers 370, whatever onward. And it's just like, stop doing that. Knock it off. They must have metrics of some kind that tell them that this is a good idea. Um, I would love to see them because I am unconvinced. Uh, it seems to me that, yeah, it, it definitely feels like if I were a new reader, comics are fucking strange. Superhero comics are fucking strange because there's, it's not like... Because they're such almost monolithic trying to get into them, that if you were an 18 or 16 year old and you walk in and you're like, I'm going to start reading comics today. Um, and you go to a, even if you go to a good shop, like ones with like happy, friendly people, Phantom yeah. of the Attic, um, you 
in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Go to that shop. Make sure it's still open. God, I hope it hasn't closed. Uh, Doesn't matter where you live. Go to that shop. <laughs> yeah, go to that shop. Um, though they, uh, if you go into a good shop and you're like, "Hey, man, um, I was, I see that, uh, I, I heard a lot about this, or the Tanahazi coats, um, um, Captain Black America, Panther or Captain, Captain America." America. And be like, I see Captain America. They're up to vol- They're up to issue thirty now. I think. Um, can I get? What, do you have the back issues, or are there trade paperbacks, or whatever? And they'd be like, Yeah, we do. Here you go. I will warn the good comic shop. Will be like, I will warn you. Number one of this is confusing as hell. And they'll yeah. be like, uh, Okay, why? All right, so. For a minute there, Captain America was a fascist. Like, okay, so here's what happened. Like, you'll have to get a guy to tell, or a person, to tell you what the hell is going on with this book. Um, yeah. And that that sucks, especially if it's a number one, because you kind of feel like you ought to just know everything. Like, or be told things in a yeah. number one. I don't know. No, I I completely agree. And, you know, it's it's one of those things of um, comics continuity becomes easier uh, once you realize that everything can be true. Like, even the things that contradict each other, this is a world where it's all true. It doesn't matter. Until it's not anymore. And then it probably will be again later. So getting bogged down in the continuity of the larger universe. Like the demons in this week's reading. Where it's like the demons used to rule the earth. And then like elsewhere they'll be like, well no, it was actually this thing. And so also on. the Eternals it doesn't matter. made the whole universe and then or no the celestials made all the humans and the eternals and the deviants but not always it doesn't matter yeah. like yeah it's all true it's yeah. all stuff that happened it's just it just <laughs> depends on who you're asking and it de- well it depends on what's important right now right, right. but but when it comes to recent continuity it is. It's such a massive undertaking to to understand all of that that you know, I I really question like <laughs> I gave up a long time ago on on the notion that movies and TV shows were going to drive comic sales because you can enjoy a movie and enjoy, and that's it. You just enjoy that movie. But it, but yeah, if you go to buy the comic book, then it's going to be like, well, okay. So you have to, in order to understand what's going on there, you have to have read these 20 years worth of comics. And that's, that's impenetrable to somebody who's new. Well, and I was just going to say, like, since we're talking ostensibly about uh, a Miss Marvel book. That's why the character was such a hit. Not just none of the SJW bullshit, right? It was because she was brand fucking new. Easy yeah. to understand. And like 
yes, she ran into Captain America and Captain Marvel and all these other people, but like she had her own story. And like there was she... no actual connection to the previous Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. She just had her own adventure begin from issue one. And that's an easy thing to pick up if you're new to comics. You can be like, oh, because like I said, it's a, if it's a number one, you can just look at it and go, all this information is brand fucking new. Like my brain just goes and I'm good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also I'm learning all the things at the same time the character is. Right? Yeah. Like she's learning about herself. She's learning about the outside world. Like what this version of New York and Jersey City is like. Like she, we, we are all in it together. And yeah. that's compelling as hell. <laughs> Whereas, like I said, if you're not at least vaguely familiar with what happened in, um, em- not Empire, shit. What was Secret, that? Secret, Secret Empire. Secret Empire. Then you start that Captain America the Ta-Nehisi Coates Captain America and you, you're like Cap seems to be going through some shit and I don't understand what's going on like yeah. he's still Captain America at the beginning of that book like he's the recognizable Captain America at the beginning of that book but like there's this really really fucked up undercurrent of his inner monologue that you're like what happened if you don't yeah. know then maybe that's a selling point but it's kind of confusing at least Anyway. Well, and, you know, the the thing about it is, so, like, Kamala, Khan, Kamala Khan's, uh, and I have, and by the way, I have this from Wilson herself. Yeah. It, in Ms. Marvel's case, it's Kamala. Yeah. Whereas the vice presidential candidate is Kamala. They're from different Areas. roots. Yeah. So don't worry about it. It's Kamala in her case. In the case of Kamala Khan, like, yes, her origin grows out of the Inhumans and the whole uh, Terrigen Mist bomb. But you don't actually have to know all that much. No. It's just like a thing happened and now a bunch of people are getting powers. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that hard to explain in... uh... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the, the show. Like, yeah. a thing happens, and now people have powers. Yeah. And that's a, you know, fuck it. That's the root of just a lot of comics. Like, people yeah. be getting superpowers, for, like you say, from just spending too much time in the sun. Yeah. And whatever the thing is, now people have powers. So, yeah. uh, that's that's not the part... That's not the part that's frustrating, right? Like having to know like those are the things that people just are ready to go okay like yeah that part i don't give a shit about it's the the characterization yeah the the impersonal yeah and like why are they acting like x-men does this a lot because in the wider scheme of things they do a really good job of like in the 90s they do a good job of like humanizing villains and like yeah. getting them to maybe come over to the good side the good guy side and but then like there's still tension because they used to be a bad guy and if you if you show up 13 issues into uh when Mero was on the team you have no fucking clue why everybody kind of hates her 
right? Like, yeah. that's weird um, and difficult, but a whole other thing, probably. I'm, I'm probably taking a self-course. Well, I mean, the, the upshot is, you know, with Kamala, it is. It's you are taking the journey together. She is mm-hmm. a random kid with no connections in the superhero world uh, at the beginning and just living her life. And so, you know, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to have even read previous issues of Ms. Marvel uh, before she wound up becoming Captain Marvel uh, because beyond the name, there's no connection at all. And that's great, you know? And that's the way, you know, Nova, back when he started, same deal. Like, new kid, uh, origin that didn't require a ton of information about everything else in the universe forever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so. Well, and I mean, like, it's one thing for you and me. I don't, this sounds Ah, this feels a little gatekeepy, but like it's it's more like we've been trained as comics readers to like if I want to pick up a random story from the mid, uh, if I want to pick up a random DC story, something I'm actually not that familiar with at all from the mid '90s, and just start reading it, I'm trained now as an old man to just go, I don't know what that means, flip. And just keep reading, right? Yeah. Like, just keep going through. New readers, and especially kids, don't have that. Like, they get mad. Yeah. Like, you have a six-year-old. Doesn't she get mad when she doesn't understand something? Seven-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. Now, I will say, I don't think it's... I don't think it's gatekeeping to comment on the reality of the situation. I think it's only gatekeeping to say, and that's the way it should be. Oh, <laughs> like, no. no, absolutely not. I, yeah. I, I'm saying I'm, comics have damaged my brain in a way that makes it so that I, I will basically go, huh, that seems important or something, but it's not germane to the situation right now. So moving on. Whereas, right, and and that, and I'm just saying, like what you were saying, I don't think sounded gatekeepy because you're just saying, you're just saying this is how it is. Not, I'm glad that no. only people like me can. <laughs> no, so. no, I am. No, I'm not glad about that. I, 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 I am. That's the part that's irritating. Is like, I, yeah, I yeah. actually want people, more people, to enjoy cape books because they're not all terrible fascist bullshit like there's some really good stories in here but if i were to give them to someone the task of like the task of actually getting into the story is so fucking daunting to somebody that's from the outside so or that isn't as familiar right yeah anyway we have now spent half an hour on this. so <laughs> Well, and on the preliminary stuff. Whatever. Uh, but anyway, comics. Comics. Um, we start this week with uh, Marvel 2-in-1 Annual number 2, 
with a cover by Jim Starlin, written by Jim Starlin, penciled by Jim Starlin, inked by Joe Rubenstein, colored by Petra Goldberg, lettered by Annette Kowacki, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Uh, we start with a recap of the stuff we ended with last week. Spider-Man's having a dream sent by Master Order and Lord Chaos, uh, wherein he and we as readers, who maybe didn't catch the last bit, uh, get filled in on everything that's happened up to now with the fake soul gem, warlock dying, all of that. Uh, Spider-Man wakes up and he's like, shit, I gotta, I gotta do something. So he doesn't know where to go. He's like, okay, most obvious place to go would be the Fantastic Four. They handle stuff like this all the time. So he swings in, Thing is sitting there reading and he disturbs him and he's like, listen, you gotta, you gotta listen to me. There is some very real shit going on and Thing does not believe him. But they're like, he's like, you know what? There's a ship I got to test anyway. We'll take it out. We'll see if there's something there. And if there's not, then it's a test. Cool. Whatever. They get out there. Sure enough, they find Thanos' ship. Um, and Thanos has captured the uh, Avengers and Captain Marvel and Moondragon and uh, is holding them in stasis. Uh, so Thing and Spider-Man go to try and free them. They get pretty well laid out. Uh, and, uh, so, yeah. Thanos, meanwhile, Thanos' plan now is, yes, the big synthetic gem was destroyed, but I now have the soul gem. That probably has enough power to destroy your son. It'll be fine. Uh... Thing gets taken down and Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man runs. Spider-Man is just like, this is way above my pay grade. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, no, I love this moment. Yeah. Cause he's just like, he completely loses it. Like yeah. he flips and he's just like, ha, what am I doing here? This was the dumbest idea I've had in a while. And I'm Peter Parker fuck and he just pieces out into like the bowels of the ship and yeah. he, he like... tries to get back to the ship they came in like the that's the thing that has to be stressed here is this is not a strategic retreat peter out and out yeah. runs and yeah. and it isn't until like he gets kind of slowed down trying to get past some sentry guards or something like that that he's like okay 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 that was a bit of a yeah okay we're having a week all right um yeah uh, like he he takes the time and he's like all right i'm gonna forgive myself for that that was this is this i was right this is above my pay grade but there's got to be something i can do while i'm here like i don't have punching thanos not gonna happen like i can't do that but i can there's a lot of shit around here maybe i can break something and that's ends up being the plan yeah so he goes back up and he find he finds the avengers again and he uses himself to knock out the machinery like he straight up just plows his body into it and winds up 
out cold for a little bit. Yep. Um, but Which he's I, able... I had missed because in the panel where he's evidently out cold, he's just like fucking hanging over the side of the top of this, just flopped out. And I, I had missed that because the rest of the Avengers are popping out to yeah. punch Thanos a bunch. Yeah. Um, and he... Uh, so he's out for a little bit. The Avengers uh, proceed to have their big knockdown drag out. But it, again, it's just, it's not going well. They're getting their asses handed to them. Um, while all of this is going on, Warlock is in the gem. Um, and he's blissing out with Pip and Gamora. Everything's wonderful, but he's just kind of like... There starts being something telling him, shit's not right, like, you're needed. So, uh, what winds up happening is Spider-Man comes to and realizes that the the soul gem, Warlock soul gem, since they were all soul gems right now, uh, Warlock soul gem is in a little container, uh, while Thanos is fighting the Avengers. So he makes his way to it and smashes the container. At that point, Warlock's soul is able to manifest from outside the... Uh, from out of the gem. Thanos is taken aback because he's like, wait, I killed you! And Warlock's like, yeah, well, shit happens. And uh, proceeds to turn Thanos into stone. And... Uh, it's worth mentioning this is this is where we leave Thanos for twelve years. Like it's it's a while, because um, it's not until Silver Surfer number whatever in nineteen ninety that Thanos comes back. Oh wow! And so yeah, and then after it's all said and done, Captain Marvel. And the Avengers uh, hold a funeral for Adam Warlock. And that's that. That's the end of this big thing we read at the end of last week. And uh, not a bad wrap up. Uh, we we remove Thanos from the board for a while. Spider-Man has some great character moments. Um, stuff like that. So I dug it. Plus this this cover is a classic. I like it. <clears throat> it's a really... It isn't... What's weird is it's still a good end for Adam Warlock, right? Like, I I, I kind of thought bringing him back here would be putting a hat on a hat. But, like, it's actually not. Because, the, like, the very end... Oh, no, that makes sense. Uh... One thing I was told growing up was that funerals aren't for the dead, they're for the people that are mm -hmm. still alive. And that it's still... That resonated with me at the time. Like, they're not for... They're for the people that are still here. And um, that's what's happening here at the end of this book, is that it's everyone coming into their kind of grip of what Warlock meant to them... And now that he's gone, what that means for all of us. Um, yeah. And that's... And Mar sorry. Marvel does a 
is really fucking cool. Thor is awesome because he's just like, I only met the guy like twice uh, when he was in this incarnation. Um, I'm really glad that I punched the crap out of him to get him to this. Like, that's that's kind yeah. of his deal. Like, their deal. Um, yeah. I don't know. I like, I don't, I like the end a lot. I like Marvel's thing where he's just like, you know, I I can only hope that when when my time comes I face it as bravely as he did or something yeah. like that. Uh, that was a gut punch cuz yeah. I was like, "Oh no. I know how your time comes." Yeah. Yeah. And you do, but it's not what you think. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I also like the uh, the end of it when they've got like all these prisoners. This is ancillary to the important parts, but they've got all these prisoners, and they're like, and Spider Man looks at Marvel and he's like, "What are we going to do with all these guys?" And he's like, "Probably just release them, just like as a throwaway." And yeah. It's like Spider Man's like, "What? They're all evil aliens. You get what are we gonna, huh?" And he's like, "What do you want me to do? <laughs> take them to take them to Earth? Imprison hundreds of weird aliens on Earth?" That sounds like a sounds like a swell idea, Peter. And he's like, "Yeah, you're right. I guess." Yeah. I, I, but like that's again like one more thing where, Pete, this is that he's so outside what he normally does that. Yeah. Looking at something like that, he's just like, "Oh yeah, I guess you're right. We wouldn't want to do that at all. That's just sort of what I do: is I punch bad guys and I." And I wrap I, them up for the cops. And then I web them to something, preferably a light pole, and then police come and take them to jail. And then they get released from jail because that's not how justice works. But they they do get to jail. They're, they're momentarily inconvenienced. And yes. that, is, that is the important thing. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway... I dig this. I, I dig a lot more of this than I thought I did while I was reading it. It's it's just it's good. Yeah, I think if you're if you're looking for a good Thanos story, uh, this two issue because it was Avengers Annual and then mm-hmm. uh, this Marvel team up and or Marvel two in one annual. Uh, this is a nice, relatively self-contained story. Um, it does, it does wrap up a lot of stuff with, um, with the Warlock solo stories, but ultimately, you know, other than the whole thing about Warlock appearing from earlier to kill himself thing, um... You're you're in fairly decent shape, and even then, Marvel is right there, and he's still just like, I have no idea what I just saw. So <laughs> you're actually, you're kind of okay with you that. You know what? That's that that kind of harkens back to what we were just talking about, which is that like something incredibly fucking weird happens. Warlock shows up and absorbs Warlock out of nowhere, and then disappears again, and you go. And then Marvel is right there to hold your hand as a reader and be like, "No, I don't know what the fuck that was." 
Like, yeah. that was weird as shit. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and, like, if you're a reader, you'd be like, okay, so that guy doesn't even know what's going on. Okay. Yeah, if you've never read it, then you're just like, <laughs> okay, so that was a categorically weird situation. Yes. The only way you can even remotely have context for that is if you read the specific issue where that happened. And yeah. we did, but, like... <laughs> no one else. <laughs> yeah, so... Anyway, uh, Doctor Strange number 20, kicking off a whole lot of Doc and Defenders, um, has a cover by Ed Hannigan, Tom Palmer, and Danny Crespi, and is written by Marv Wolfman, penciled and inked by Rudy Nebris, colored by Marie Severin, lettered by John Costanza, and edited by Marv Wolfman. Uh, there's been a whole bunch of shit going on with Doctor Strange. And the most recent thing is that they, there are there is this group called the Creators who have a guy named Xander whose job it is to attack Strange. Um, in addition, Strange has stepped down as Sorcerer Supreme. <clears throat> and uh, he's still he still knows his shit, but he does not. He's trying to figure out kind of what he is without the title and without, without everything that carries. Um, and that's most of the strange story this week. Like right. the theme is who am I without the title and how important the title is or was. And yeah, because at it's, the end, like, spoilers we're gonna talk about it at the end he's it's very like i'm still i am comfortable being master of the mystic arts instead of sorcerer supreme because i still have all of my knowledge and willpower and blah 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 like right i i didn't actually lose much yeah so yeah yeah he the 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 thing that's frustrating about this is uh, I feel like this is a story that should have been done a little later because it gets really lost in the way we do this. But mm -hmm. at this exact moment in time, Doctor Strange hasn't been Sorcerer Supreme all that long. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one thing that if you're if you're new to the new to the Marvel universe and you're coming from like either a modern interpretation of the comics or from the MCU Doctor Strange wasn't Sorcerer Supreme for a while he was an apprentice to the Ancient One for quite a while before he ultimately became Sorcerer Supreme and so to do this this soon after he became Sorcerer Supreme I feel like maybe it might have had more weight later like if he'd been the sorcerer longer, but whatever. Anyway, they, they go to this history museum after hours and they're attacked by Xander. Um, while this happens, um, Clea is, um, Clea is separated from strange. And so 
while Strange is trying to fight off Xander, he's also trying to locate her. Um, Xander reveals that a lot of the stuff that's been happening to Strange for a while now was caused or instigated... uh, caused or instigated, manipulated or instigated by the creators to lead him down the garden path to them. Um, in so doing, um, you know, we find out that like the whole thing about the earth and everything else being destroyed and then recreated was an illusion that was caused by them and so on and so forth. Um, but in the process of this, Xander is surprised to find out that Strange is no longer the Sorcerer Supreme. You'd think he'd know that, but whatever. Um, but ultimately Strange is able to defeat him. Um, and in the process of this, um, Clea he finds her but then she disappears uh and at the end of this she winds up she's taken she's found and taken in by police but then she realizes she has powers uh, but she has no memory of who she is and so she starts to go on a rampage um and that's where we kind of leave a bit of a cliffhanger there uh, that brings us to Dr. Strange annual number one, which is semi standalone. Uh, this has a cover by Dave Cockrum and is written by Marv Wolfman and P. Craig Russell, penciled, inked, and colored by P. Craig Russell, lettered by John Costanza and edited by Marv Wolfman. Um, Dr. Strange is trying to find Clea and he laments the fact in the course of these things that he's like, if I were still Sorcerer Supreme, I could find her in an instant. I would know exactly where she was, but because I'm not, I'm left to flail about trying to find her. Uh, He is contacted by the Ancient One who tells him to go to the Temple of Man. So he travels to this other dimension and finds this temple that predates humanity um, and discovers that the priests there have ostensibly all been murdered uh, finds the last couple survivors who are like a servant and a librarian Um, and the librarian is just like there's no point in looking for the answers you seek but i'll show you where to find what you think you need uh but then the librarian attacks him and blah 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 anyway it turns out that he has to go to this place called phase world so he travels there where he is met by a sorceress by the name of lectra uh and she is the ostensibly undisputed queen of Phase World. It fo- it follows her commands. Blah blah blah. Like uh, the 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 material of the plane itself obey her commands. Right. Is like so. 
I just want that specified because she does weird shit with just the things around her. Like, yeah. she just makes it all attack him or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, you know, she's completely horny on Maine for Steven. Yeah. Uh, but Steven's just like, I want Clea. And she's like, yeah, I've got her. We can talk about that. Let's let's head on to my castle. Uh, so she loads him up on this boat that's like uh, sailored by the dead <laughs> and uh, and takes him there. Along the way, there's like this sea creature, uh, which strange attacks without really like because he assumes he knows what's going on. He's just like, ha ha magic. Um, and Lectra's like, you idiot, the snake was going, the sea snake was going to take us through the storm, but whatever, I'll just do this and does some stuff and they get to her castle. Once there, uh, she explains, you know, kind of, uh, phase world is dying. Um, and she needs Stephen's help to save it, and she wants to, him to stay there and rule it with her. Uh, we meet her sister Phaedra, who it turns out they are like sort of one person sharing two bodies. Um, Phaedra has a swan. This is a this is a weird issue. So I'm trying to I'm trying to lay this out as as plainly as I can. She has a swan that she uses to speak for her. Um, but then in the course of an altercation, the swan turns into an angel named Tempest. In the course of things, uh, we find out that Lectra was behind the appearance of the Ancient One and that her claim that Clea was being held there was uh, an illusion itself, which makes a lot more sense since the last we saw she was getting shot at. But um, in the end, uh, Lectra winds up destroying this soul mirror, which is like the only thing holding things together. And so Strange tries to go into the mirror to save things, but it's pointless. Tempest holds the dying Phaedra. Uh, and then um, Strange is just left floating in space after Phase World falls apart. And it was weird, but I, I didn't mind this issue. The art was really good. The art's fantastic. Uh, I'm trying to... Yeah, he... Does he go through the mirror? Oh, no. He's just... Because he's the only part of this, like, dimension, phase world, that isn't of phase world, he doesn't get sundered like everything else. Like, he right. doesn't dissolve like everything else does. Okay. I mean, I dig it. I was under the impression he flew into the mirror in an attempt to uh, piece things back together and maybe save Phase World. Uh, That was the impression I got. I think you're right. But ultimately it didn't matter because 
once everything was destroyed, he was just left floating. Uh huh. So and really, it was once Lectra was once Lectra was uh, discorporated. Um, that's not a word. I made up a word. Um, they. That's really when it like that was the first domino of yeah. an an inevitability to uh, destroy Phase World. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, it's gorgeous, um, and it's fucking weird. But in that, in a very Doctor Strange, weird. Like there's. There's different classifications of weird in Marvel, and uh, the magic stuff is always very much its own thing, and that's yeah. good. Um, and yeah. because it serves to differentiate between like what is the magic stuff, what is the cosmic stuff, what is you know the death stuff, what is like all of that. Like this, this is very Doctor Strange kind of weird, and I like it. Um, yeah, I like it as that. Um, yeah, and so. yeah, P. Craig Russell's art is awesome. Uh, I will say he currently he they just came out about two weeks ago with uh, Norse mythology number one, which is based on the book by Neil Gaiman. Um, and the comic has art by P. Craig Russell and Mike Mignola, and it's worth picking up. So, uh, so good issue, like a nice, uh, beautiful, weird standalone Dr. Strange story. So the only thing about it that's like, it's definitely good as an annual you know what I mean? Because it's like, we were in the middle of something, but then we got called away to this other thing that we thought was a part of the thing we were in the middle of, but it really wasn't. And now you just get to go back to the story you were doing. I like that. That's fine. That is perfectly acceptable as an annual. Yeah. All right. So now we get to get into some fucking weirdness. Um, Buckle up, buttercup. We're going for a ride. We are, it, it, there is, there is a lot going on here. Uh, so, uh, Doctor Strange number 21, we are skipping. Uh, it has a cover by Gene Cohen, uh, Gene Colon, I don't know, whatever. Uh, Tom Palmer and Danny Crespi. The weird thing is, the cover shows Strange and Clea battling. Uh, but then the issue itself is a reprint of Doctor Strange number 169. So, whatever. Uh, Doctor Strange number 22 has a cover by Frank Brunner and Danny Crespi and is written by Marv Wolfman, penciled and inked by Rudy Nebris, colored by Michelle Wolfman, and lettered by Irving Watanabe, edited by Marv Wolfman. So, on his way back to Earth, Doctor Strange is attacked by a space dragon, which he is able to escape, uh, and he then arrives at his 
Sanctum. <clears throat> he is... Now back to trying to find Clea. And finds her in fairly short order. But, as we said, she is out there uh, facing off with police. Uh, and telling them not to impede her progress. She doesn't know who she is, blah, blah, blah. Um, she doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know what she wants, but she knows she wants all these fuckers out of her way. Yeah. It's it's sort of a... Uh, it's sort of a Hulk thing, and then it's just like, back off and leave me the fuck alone. Right. Um, so, Strange rushes to go and help her. She doesn't know who the hell he is. All she knows is he's another obstacle. So she lashes out at the people around them. She creates a mystical avatar to fight him. Uh, things like that. Strange puts the bystanders into a safe dimension for a minute. Uh thus cutting off the power source for the thing Clea had created. Um, and uh, in in short order, in fairly short order, he's able to put an end to her rampage and uh, <clears throat> take her home. She does try, she does pull some shit. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, he... He starts trying to get into her head to figure out why um, she's doing this. And she, like, cries out and is just like, ah! And he's like, okay, I'll stop for a second. Are you, are you okay? And then she's like, psych! And attacks him. Um, he is then able to fi actually fix the the spell she was under that rendered her amnesiac. But uh, at the end of it, he erases everybody's memories of everything that had happened. I don't know if that includes everybody back at the precinct that she broke out of. And I know we didn't really cover this. She melted a woman into a wall. Yep. Yeah, um, that one's going to be difficult to explain. But, uh, you know, I it, mean, it is the, the MC, it is 616. So like this kind of shit probably happens at that precinct all the goddamn time. So yeah. that when the, you know, let's say he did go back and he wiped everybody at the precinct and was like, okay, you're all, everything's fine. But like he left that woman in the wall cause he just missed it. Um, when the person comes in and finds them in the wall they're probably just going to be like fuck okay it's 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 goddamn tuesday in new york all right let's do this <laughs> i will i will say the lady she she melted into the wall i don't really have a ton of sympathy for no simply because this is a woman who's just like she's in jail and she's just like throwing her weight around, just being like, "I'm the baddest motherfucker around. Who's gonna Who's gonna stop me?" And it's just like, "Lady, if this were our world, yeah, where 
you you know where the only thing you really have to worry about maybe is someone who's small and relatively unassuming but who knows how to fight really well right then okay you do you but you live in a world where anyone could be literally anything (laughs) they could be a mutant they could be a god they could be like a monster in human form like you don't know who that woman she doesn't know who she is there there are only there are so few there are so few realities like you know every choice creates a every like every possibility is happening at the same time or whatever of those realities <laughs> There are very few where you don't wind up a part of the wall. <laughs> like, Also, another like ding against this woman who ends up a part of the wall is like, okay, you as we discussed, you live in this world where anyone can be anything at all times. Definitely don't pick on the lady in the fucking purple jumpsuit, right? With yeah. the weird cowl. Like, yeah. She's not just into kiss or whatever. Like, she's probably... (laughs) Like, come on. We all ought to... There's a safety class in high school. Yeah. Especially in New York. Where your health instructor comes in and says, if you are confronted by someone that doesn't know who they are, but is also wearing anything that isn't flared bootcut jeans, uh, don't fuck with them. (laughs) Yeah. Get into a corner and just start crying and hope that they don't murder you. Yeah. Inadvertently. Yeah. I mean, even even if it hadn't been intentional, like, yeah. there's every possibility she could have just sneezed and fused you with the wall. Like, you don't fucking know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, as, as this wraps up, uh, they are being watched by this woman. And it turns out she is... Apollo, Queen of the Sun. But we don't know what that means yet. So. I'm an idiot. Apollo was bugging me. And I was like, why is this bugging me? Like, the name, Apollo. Yeah. I I, I was just like, there's something about it that's bug. It's Apollo with the... Yeah. With the... I'm an idiot. Welcome back. Hi. (laughs) If you've not known, I am an idiot. I think I've mentioned this before, but, like, let's just pin that down again. Okay. So we're building our case. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Doctor Strange number 23 has a cover by Gene Colan and Tom Palmer. Penciled by... The book is penciled by Jim Starlin, colored by Andy Yanchis, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Joe Rosen. So... Doctor Strange, all right, we've resolved the Clea thing. Hooray. That's that's now not an immediate concern. Now he's got to figure out what the fuck is going on, like who these creators are, and uh, and what, what they want. So one of the things that had come up in his dealings with Xander and various other things was a thing called the quadriverse. So he's like, okay, let's go to this fucking quadriverse and see what the hell's going on. Um, 
So he starts traveling through realities. Encounters... He encounters this big space woman. (laughs) Is the best way to describe that. Who it turns out is the guardian of the Quadriverse. And the Quadriverse. Because why not? Uh, So he... He winds up going in her and <laughs> I mean, we, it's Look, Dr. Strange. It's weird. It, it's Dr. Like, Strange. Some of this is difficult to, ex- to describe in a auditory medium or audio, audio medium. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've just got to trust that like, this is the simplest way <laughs> to describe some of this stuff. Uh, so he, he enters the quadriverse not in the way you might expect. Um, and finds, once there, finds the he woman, finds her. He finds her again. Only this time she's tied to a, a rock and is being attacked by a giant monster. Um, and he's like, this is the start. This is the first one. I, I, I couldn't remember where, where the thing happened. Uh, but like, this is the first time that he's just like, fuck that demon! And he just kills it. Right? Yeah. Um, and this is the first one. Yeah. That that he's just kind of just straight up destroying things. Um, yeah. And he doesn't even... This time he doesn't stop to think about what he did. No. no. This, this time it's just like, whatever, it's a monster. Um, uh... <laughs> He saves her, at which point I think he loses her again, (laughs) Uh, only to find her on a planet. But then once he finds her, he's beset by this knight who is trying to take her. And he fights the knight. It turns out the knight is actually an empty suit of armor. And then, like... The girl ends up on a bird, and the bird flies away. Guys, hold on. (laughs) Yeah. So the bird flies away. The girl ends up on a bird. The bird flies away into space, past these promised-by-the-cover worm worlds. They're celestial bodies made entirely of worm-like creatures. I think. Uh, the worm worlds attack him. He attacks back. Then... And kills it. And this is the second time... This is when he starts asking what the hell is going on with him. Because he right. goes... He just straight up murders this worm world. And is like, that's the second time today I've acted to kill. Not to just stop. And that's kind of not my deal. What is wrong with me okay yeah and he thinks it's the quadriverse itself so he goes back uh finds the bird the a new knight the same knight is on the bird now and the girl's on the ground fights the knight uh but the world itself is now attacking the girl he's split yeah the suit of art the is actually a suit empty suit of armor <coughs> The earth itself, or the the world itself, drags the girl down into a hole 
where there are some plant trolls, maybe. Living, breathing roots. <sighs> and he just straight up kills all of them, too? Yeah, Doctor Strange is on a killing spree in this universe, but... But he, he manages to grab the girl. They go to this, like, floating island home thing. He puts her down. They meet all these new people. And we start this, to... uh, this old guy explains that the girl is the guardian of the universe. They've each taken turns being the guardian, and the... Per, the guardian is the guardian until someone rescues them and then they become the new guardian and strange is just like yeah sure that makes sense that's that's a string of words um and yeah it's it's just really odd but in the end he's able to save her and then he takes off and as he's making his way through the quadriverse then he finds a new bit. All of the guardians are born just floating in space with no idea who they are. And they're forced to just figure it out as they go. And so he find it. He flies past a baby who's like crying because it's a baby. And he's just like, well, you got a shit life ahead of you, kid. And that's that. Um, the one the major thing in all of this is we find out later there was a random little impy demon thing uh, early in the issue that up and disappeared. And what we find out later is that it, it hitched a ride inside of Steven and it is the reason he is acting so impulsively and so aggressively throughout this issue um which okay like whatever but uh so we take a we take a short break for defenders number 57 um which has a cover by ed hannigan joe sinnott and irving watanabe and is written by jerry conway chris claremont Penciled by George Tusca and Dave Cockrum. Inked by Dan Green. Colored by Francois Mouly. Uh, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Peter Iro, And edited by Archie Goodwin. Uh, we start with a flashback to earlier, you know, some 16 issues ago. Uh, where in the midst of some other shit that's going on. The Orb of Agamotto in Doctor Strange's Sanctum, begins projecting this picture of Ms. Marvel. And everybody's like, that's really fucking weird. Hulk freaks out a bit, because he's Hulk. And uh, they deal with that, and then they're just like, okay, so we should totally try and figure out why the Orb of Agamotto just did that. Um... They do not get the chance because then they are attacked and it's just kind of forgotten about. So then we flash, we, we flash forward to now. Uh, and 
Carol's psychiatrist slash kind of boyfriend, Michael, is hanging out in a bar. Trying to to decide what he's going to do. Like he's he's like figuring out like, you know, a Carol hasn't called him since they got back from Boston. See last week or the week before. Uh, And he's just like, so. I worry about her. Is everything is it all worth it? Like, you know. She's in constant danger. I'm really in danger being around her, you know, and stuff like that. Um, He does not kind of thing that like this is why you tell people, right? Yeah, you are so that they can have this conversation with themselves and decide. I'm talking to you, Peter fucking Parker. (laughs) Asshole. Yeah. Um, this is why you tell your loved ones so that they can make the decision or, you know, the people around you so that they can make the decision about whether or not they need to be affiliated with that shit. Right. Um, Mary Jane will say yes, but I'm just saying you're doing her a disservice by not telling her. Exactly. And once she finds out, she's going to go, oh, that's why I have almost died a bunch of fucking times. Thanks, Pete. That explains so many things. Anyway, sorry, this uh, is not the rag on Peter Parker hour that was last week or the week before. <laughs> it's a valid point, though. Like, you, what are you doing? Anyway, um, so he's getting to have that conversation with himself when he's interrupted by this fucking weirdo. Um, he calls himself Arthur Shaman. Um, and he's like... Your eyes are burning into my soul. And the guy's like, yes, they are. Come with me. Yeah. (coughs) And so Shaman takes him and it turns out Shaman is working for or with AIM. Um, And uh, so he takes Michael to AIM. um, And they are trying to they're trying to figure out how to how to strike at Ms. Marvel. Um, Ms. Marvel, meanwhile, shows up at the Sanctum and everybody's just like, who are you? What are you? What the fuck are you doing in here? Like, this is not this is not just a place you can pop in, lady. And she's like, look, it's it's fine. She steps out into the into the light and Val, I think, was it Val? Uh, no, it's uh, Patty. Patty, my bad. Hell Patty yeah. is just like, I I know her. She's this new superhero. She was in Woman Magazine and stuff like that. And Ms. Marvel explains that she's got a seventh sense that kind of alerts her to shit that's going on. Uh, it warned her. And warned her that the uh, the defenders were somehow wrapped up in all of this, and so she's like, "Please, let's work together to stop this." So they do, uh, but they co- they come under attack um, from a, a an aim robot <clears throat> that freezes and attack uh, freezes. And takes the Hulk because in the 
in the course of interrogating Michael, they discovered that Ms. Marvel is afraid of being attacked by the Hulk. So that's our that's our big like this is why these people are are teaming up is because of this specific thing that will never come up again. Um and so the defenders are able to extricate themselves from their various circumstances and follow. They handily dispatch uh the aim guards and this guy shaman i really like shaman uh shaman patsy winds up like grabbing hold of jumping on him and like covering his eyes and like shaman's like running around like an idiot they're out in this like farmhouse or something yeah and there's trees and shaman just runs full force into a tree <laughs> and apparently this is literally this guy arthur shaman's only appearance so like uh he he got hit in the head so hard <laughs> that he never showed up again. I don't know if like he wound up with CTE or what from this blow, but yeah, he he gets so hard he was knocked out of continuity. Uh <laughs> it's so hard he was r- removed from villainy. Um yeah. yeah. Maybe and he, uh maybe he's blinded. I don't know, maybe. Get somebody good to write a story about what happened to Arthur Shaman. Not me. <laughs> Not me. No, I don't I don't want to do that. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> like knock off Kilgrave bullshit. Yeah. Um but so they 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 deal with aim and they are able to save Michael. He's released from uh, the hypnosis. Clea is able to just be like, doodaloo, and you're free. And he's just like, what's going on? Uh, you know what? I don't need to know. That I'm fine. <laughs> uh, Which I think really sort of just is um, signaling what he's thinking. You know what? Yeah. I don't need to know, and maybe I don't need to do this all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I I will say, this is my favorite issues of Defenders this week, primarily because it doesn't have Devil Stalker or what Devil yeah. Devil Slayer, Devil Demon Slayer, Slayer in it. Demon Slayer. I don't. De- Maybe? I think it's Devil Slayer. Okay. Man, I'm not I gonna don't look. Know. We'll we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, but. It's a it's a weak ass issue, but compared to what we read, what we read later in the week, uh, hmm. anyway. <clears throat> so that brings us to Doctor Strange number twenty four, and now we dive into the rest of this storyline. Um, so the, this is this is some weird shit. So bear with me while I unpack um so dr strange is at this door that leads to the the realm of the collectors that is like out slightly outside of the quadriverse i don't know it's whatever uh he tries to get through it 
uh, but is repulsed initially. So he's like, okay, I need to take a step back, get my shit together, not just jump into shit. And he's like, okay, try this again. He starts to do a little stuff and then the door just opens and this creature is just like, knock it off. (laughs) And so they fight. Um, And then he, he's able to defeat the creature. uh, And then he, he meets Apollo and Apollo reveals a few key pieces of information. Number one, she is a star in human form. Number two, the stars are sentient beings and all power. And they make a big point of mentioning this atomic, uh, atomic. What else? What was the other thing? Fuck. I don't know. Atomic something else and magical comes from Gravity. the stars. Do what? They're saying that gravity comes from the stars as well. Well, yeah, but they they use a shorthand in some of the follow-ups where they're kind of catching you up, and it's like, uh, it starts with an E. I don't want to say electrical, uh, but it's whatever. It, do, it doesn't matter. The point is, all energy, including mystical energy, is generated by stars, and they are what holds the universe together. Uh, the cr- number two or number three of the things she reveals is that the creator's plan is to supplant the stars and become stars themselves and thus have complete control over the universe. And that is why we need to stop them. Um, so they travel to confront the creators. It turns out the creators have this big table thing called the wheel of change. Um, And Apollo's like, that's what's doing it. We need to stop them. Let's go. So they have this big knockdown drag out fight with the creators during it. Dr. Strange is just like fighting. These assholes is a waste of time. I'm going to go straight after the wheel. Uh, So he does, at which point he destroys the wheel. Apollo is just like, you idiot. What the fuck did you do? And he's like, I stopped them. And she's like, no, you gave them what they wanted. She's like, we had to get to the wheel and reverse it to undo what they did. By destroying it, it's now just like in the hands of whatever. What and they were sure doing, what they were doing, is already set in motion by destroying it. We can't do anything about that. What are you right. doing? Yeah, and he's and like, "Oh no, I'm an idiot." <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Why does my head hurt? Yeah, yeah, and so the creators are turned into stars, while various stars are turned into people. You with us so far? Because it gets it gets pretty fucked up as we go along. Um, it's the lazy Susan of the mystical universe. It, uh, it's the lazy Susan of reality. Yeah, it's uh, just yeah. 
Uh, just, so. Just, yeah, just chill. Big breath. And so. Okay. So, Doctor Strange number 25 has a cover by Jim Starlin and is inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Sam Klein, and lettered by Alan Copperberg. Doctor Strange uh, is sort of thrown for a loop by how badly he fucked up. And so Wong and Clea kind of pool their resources in order to draw him back to the Sanctum Sanctorum. Uh, Doctor Strange does take the bodies of the various um, now human stars and place them in stasis in orbit around this planet in the Quadriverse. He's like, we'll deal with you soon. Just stay here where you're safe. So, as they as they come as they come back to Earth, Doctor Strange is like, "Well, everything looks normal from from orbit. Everything seems okay." Uh he does he does a little poking around within himself. He's like, "Things are off. I am acting aggressively." I am killing when I said I never would. Like, what the fuck is happening? Um, so he does a little poking around, discovers that this creature has hitched a ride, and basically reaches inside himself and pulls this thing out, puts it in a box, and <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, okay, let's get back to the sanctum and... Everything looks normal. We're good. And Wong and Clear are just like, um, n- n- no. Because when you destroyed the wheel, we were watching through the orb of Ar- Agamotto. That's how we knew you needed help. We were watching when you destroyed the wheel. And after that happened, shit went wild. Like, there were everything was thrown into complete upheaval. This may not be the earth you think you know. And sure enough, they get down there and New York City is overrun by animal people. Uh, my favorite part of this is uh, <laughs> is when they're flying overhead and Strange is just like, oh my God, the the chaos of of the reordering of the universe has caused those sworn to uphold the law to turn against those they protect and become murderers. And I'm sitting here just like staring in 2020 going, mm-hmm, yeah, that's what did it. Um, uh, uh, the other thing I like is like they land and all the, all the people are like animal heads. Uh, so they land and he's like, ah, we need disguises. So he turns the three of them into wolf lion people and uh yeah they they take one step off the curb and everybody turns around and goes look it's doc strange (laughs) and he's like yeah oh shit (laughs) okay whoops that didn't work and they just fly away uh and go back to the sanctum (laughs) so they get back to the sanctum and they're just like okay we got to find some way to make this right As they're figuring this out, somebody enters the room 
and we are introduced to Doctor Stranger Yet, uh, a a boar person <laughs> dressed like Doctor Strange, and uh, there are a couple of problems with this. Number one, the name is dumb as fuck. Yeah, and it's it's really irritating that the the book the book calls him that fine doctor stranger yet it's eh, <laughs> wordplay but then he it refers to himself says, that way you can call for the purposes of this you can call me doctor stranger yet and i'm like don't but also his what? reason for giving himself that name though is so that it's less confusing to which i reply you're a boar man like <laughs> you we we're not confused here if i am pointed your direction boar man and say doctor strange then we all know who i'm talking about yeah. like this is not this is not you're you're solving a problem that doesn't exist yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's no risk of confusion. <laughs> yeah. Between the two of you. So this leads to a magic battle between or the other thing I was going to say, it's really confusing because they can't seem to decide how to portray Doctor Stranger yet because sometimes he's like wearing He's got hooves. Sometimes he's just got legs like a person. And they say that he just has the head of a boar. And so it's like really back and forth on that. But whatever. It's a world gone mad, I guess. (laughs) Um, But this leads to a big magical knockdown drag out. Um, And Doctor Strange is able to win. And he puts... Uh, sort of mystical shackles on Doctor Stranger yet and hangs him on the wall like a boar's head. Um, So that brings us to Doctor Strange number 26. Uh, This issue is penciled by Jim Starlin, inked by Rudy Nebris, colored by Janice Cohen and Phil Rachelson, and lettered by Annette Kowacki. Doctor Strange is kind of at a loss as to how to go about fixing uh, what is going on. So he starts using the eye of, the eye of Agamotto to probe Doctor Stranger Yet's mind. In so doing, he discovers that the Ancient One is no longer one with the universe. He has again taken on corporeal form and is in fact in New York City. So he's like, shit, I gotta go get him. And so he leaves Doctor Stranger yet in the hands of Wong and Clea and goes after the Ancient One. Doctor Stranger yet is still conscious, so he starts sending out sort of a mental message. Um, And they're able to shut him down before he gets too far, but he was a, he is able to let somebody know that Doctor Strange is on his way. Uh, was it to the Bowery? Yeah. Okay. So 
Doctor Strange again, just like you know time marches on kind of thing like they they describe the Bowery as like this cesspool of crime and drugs and all of that and I'm like oh no 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 it's high end real estate now um it's been fully gentrified yeah oh, yeah uh it's just just a thing i i was the bowery and i was like i heard the bowery is actually like where it's at now oh oh <laughs> oh that's why okay yeah i don't know anything about new york city just to clarify it's just here, hearsay um uh-huh. he finds the ancient one ha- drunk as a skunk and attacking a dude that was trying to mug him with magic and the ancient he's like uh master what the hell is going on why are you so wasted and he's like um i found out that if you imbibe just massive amounts of alcohol uh the world changing doesn't affect you as much and he's like sure (laughs) um He's like, why aren't you part of the universe anymore? And he's like, well, when you destroyed the wheel, I basically got kicked out. Um, yeah, it was like the shock—the shock of everything being reordered—kind of shunted him back into reality. Being, yeah. Um, um, and he then he decides that, or finds out that the the wine, the alcohol, uh, slows down the change um, in himself and. Okay, cool. We're we're gonna go fight. And he's like, the one oh. thing I will say, the way this is treated in the issue, uh, <laughs> makes it seem like a Chekhov's gun situation, where maybe that's going to come up later, and it absolutely does not. The drunk thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like, was like, is that going to be part of a tool we use to fight the creator's change, or what are we doing? And then no. I think nope. <laughs> that's okay though, because like I don't know what world that makes sense to use that. But no, I know it's yeah. just it's you know it's it's one of those things of uh, you don't know you. It's hard to tell sometimes in fiction. You know, there are very obvious Chekhov's gun situations where it's just like. That is definitely going to come up later. Yeah. And then there's very obvious things that are contrivances that are there solely to uh, explain a thing that's going on and then never come up again. Or move move the plot ahead. Yeah. And that's what this is. That's what it turns out to be. This, however, the way it's presented initially is one of those that it's really hard to tell whether it's going to be one or the other. Uh, and I I genuinely wasn't sure. I was like, okay, so alcohol fucks with the, with the magic. I don't know what to do with that, but cool, that might come in useful. No. Um, as they're talking, number one, Strange discovers that the time that he was gone, even though it was a fairly short time for him, it was actually weeks in the real world. And the ancient one has been back for weeks. Um, 
but then they are attacked by agents of the creators and uh, they are able to deal with them at which point the ancient one uh, <laughs> Dr. Strange is forced to fight several of them by himself because the ancient one is still just kind of out of it yeah. um, the ancient one is able to get his shit together long enough to defeat the last one and save uh, Strange's life at this point the ancient one's like I can take you where you need to go to um, to restore what you fucked up and uh, and he does so and we there have been various hints as we've gone along that there is a a force behind the creators who they who they describe as I think he who walks in light and shadow. Um, okay. What we wind up discovering is that he who walks in light and shadow is actually the in-betweener previously seen in Warlock. Uh, so that brings us to Doctor Strange number 27, which has a cover by Gene Colan, Tom Palmer, and Annette Kowacki. Written by Roger Stern, penciled by Tom Sutton, inked by Ernie Chan, colored by Irene Vartanoff, and lettered by Bruce Patterson. Um, they stand before the in-betweener, and Doctor Strange is like, this is not the way things are supposed to be. And the in-betweener's like, this is the way I want things. Uh, because the whole, <coughs> the whole point is the in-betweener was created by uh lord chaos and master order or vice versa uh in order to bring balance between the two uh he <clears throat> empowered the creators to do what they did in order to uh balance the universe out um and Doctor Strange is like, this is not how it's supposed to be. I fucked up when I destroyed the Wheel of Change. Is there, there has to be something I can do to fix it. The in-betweener is like, well, let's be clear. You didn't destroy the Wheel of Change. The Wheel of Change takes a lot more to destroy it than whatever you've got. He's like, all you did was destroy its manifestation within this reality but it still exists. Yeah. And he's like, can you send me to it? And the in-betweener is like, yeah, why not? <laughs> Which, okay. Um, the in-betweener is kind of all over the place in this story to me. Um, because he's like, he's fairly level here. Where he's yeah. just like telling Strange what's up. And giving us a little exposition as to like how we're going to fix this. Um, but at the same time, like if his whole goal is to continue whatever the creator started, then why is he sending strange to the wheel? Right. I, the, the sense that I get in the course of this is that the in-betweener is slightly chaotic neutral in that he, he sends, he sends strange because I don't think he, 
I don't, he has no intention of letting Strange do anything. Yeah. But it amuses him to allow Strange to discover the absolute futility of everything he's trying to do. Yep. You know what I mean? And so the, he's kind of, he's... The Ancient One tries to warn them of that and be like, yeah. you know, the in-betweener cannot be lightly bargained with. His power is truly beyond belief. And he's like, Strange is like, I get that. Sure. And... Ancient one's still like, no, like, really? And he's like, no, you gotta go back home, though. And wraps him in some magic shit and sends him back to the Sanctorum. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's like, okay, in between her, I'm ready to go. And in between her's like, all right, boop. And we get yeah. a very, like, pulled through several dimensions into where the world or the the wheel proper is like he had given he basically the thing the creators had was a, was basically an interface that they could understand like yeah. a con, a concept that they could wrap their goddamn minds around whereas this is the actual wheel um i yeah i i feel like uh the the wheel is kind of like the mice in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in that the wheel is sort of the protrusion into this reality of something far bigger. Yeah. Um, and far, far beyond anybody, uh, anybody's uh, ability to fully grasp. But so he takes him to the wheel and the wheel is being guarded by a member of the creator's who it turns out is Stigero, who had appeared previously and is generally an asshole. Uh, Stigero, along as with the rest of the creators, has been elevated to star-level status. Um, and so he and Strange battle. Um, it, does not, it does not initially go well for Strange. Stigero is massively overpowered and let's be real there's not a lot strange can do in that in the face of that level of power overtly but what winds up happening is stigero goes from his human form to being his in his star form at which point dr strange is sort of launched into the middle of him and begins making a few small atomic changes. In so doing, he's able to force Stigero to go supernova, seemingly destroying him. But he becomes a black hole, and then Strange just sort of casts the black hole into the wheel and whatever. Uh, having defeated Stigero... The in-betweener in shows up and he's just like, okay, well, that was fun. Now you got to go. And Dr. Strange is like, what? And the in-betweener says, I had no intention of letting you undo any of this. What? No. This is, this is what I wanted. I wanted to stay this way. Fuck off. Yeah. And uh, the Dr. Strange is like, Nope, we're going to have a fight because I, I fucked up. I have to fix it. Let's go. Um, 
the Ankh of Eternal Life pops up, pops up on his forehead, um, which is good in that it means that's still there, even though he's not the Sorcerer Supreme. Bad because that means he's probably he's bumping up against his own death here. Yeah. So I was. Uh, it was really cool to see that come back because. The last time it showed up is he was trying to fix Eternity and in the doing so became Eternity for like half a minute or something. I don't remember specifically. Yeah. Um, but that ended, you know, that was part of the test that the Ancient One who had become part of the universe at that point was putting him through so that he could be elevate his Sorcerer Supreme status. Right. Uh, so when this shows up, I'm like, oh, are we doing something like this again? But earlier, the Ancient One had categorically said, no, I did not do it this time. Like, this is not a test that I constructed. And I know I say that a lot, but like, for reals, (laughs) this one's not on me. Um, And so the fact that, you know, the Ancient One has nothing to do with this and the Ankh shows up, you're like, Oh, cool! He's tapping in. He he's like literally becoming some of himself on his own. Like he's yeah. tapping into powers that he had previously on his own without the sorcerer supreme title, and that's neat. Yeah, we're we're he's discovering that not everything has been stripped away since he gave up the title. Um, mm-hmm. So that brings us to Doctor Strange number twenty eight. Uh, which has a cover by Frank Brunner, colored by Janice Cohen, lettered by John Costanza. I do want to say up front, I love this fucking cover. Yeah. It is amazing. Um, Frank Brunner penciled, inked, and colored this cover, and the colors are amazing. They fucking pop. Uh, not only that, but it is, it's a pretty straightforward sort of, um, sort of uh you know doctor strange and the in between are grappling but it is really well done and really when i saw it it didn't look 70s to me does that no. make sense like yeah 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 uh a lot of it, the doctor strange it, art is very like before its time like yeah. throughout this book the the uh it's not the it's 2020, I think. The paneling in that is fucking nutcase. And yeah. I, I am here for it because, like, it's very, very progressive and, like, supposed to, like, like they're not squares in yeah. it, throughout any of it. And there's a lot of, like, moving uh, splash pages, too. Um, and it's it's all done in service to keep you on your goddamn toes. And I like that. Like, you, the yeah. reader, are just like, this is fucking wild. It's yeah. cool. Anyway. Um, so this issue, Clea, Wong, and the Ancient One watch through the Orb of Agamotto as Doctor Strange goes up against uh, against the in-betweener. And it's it's a rough fight for him because... At one point, he nearly succumbs to madness completely, uh, but kind of 
kind of pulls his shit together and he's just like, no, but he, there was a, there was a moment where he just starts laughing maniacally and he's just like, no, 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 no. I have to, I have to keep it together. It would be really easy to just go crazy, but I've got to fix this. And so, uh, he is, he is eventually, it's a, it's a hard battle. And I think, uh, the, the ancient one, uh, and the others reinforce him once or twice during all of this. Um, but in the end, shit, sorry, um, he is able to best the in-betweener not by uh, not by just wailing on him with various spells, but he is able to draw upon the power of uh, chaos and order both at the same time. And in doing so, basically blasts blasts the in-betweener through various realities um and uh and disorient him enough that he's able to cage him for the moment um and the in-betweener is taken aback and he's just like i've been bested by a mortal and Doctor Strange is like, not really, because you're an abstract, so you don't really fight in the conventional sense. But you have kind of been, he says, uh, he says only in a semantical sense in between her, as you are not a creature of conflict, you cannot truly be defeated, but you have been humbled. Uh, Doctor Strange explains that the balance that... Uh, <clears throat> that the in-betweener thought he had created in all of this uh, wasn't true uh, balance. And in fact, he had tipped the scales in favor of life. And the in-betweener's just like, oh, fuck. You're right. You're right. And so the in-betweener, I mean, once he once he's defeated, the in-betweener could probably just turn it around and just be like, no, because we're talking about an all-powerful cosmic being. Right. Um, but once Strange tells him, like, no, you had it wrong, he realizes there's no point in fighting it. It really kind of needs to go back the way it was. Yeah. So Strange is then able to use the wheel, um, excuse me, to... Uh, to re reset the universe to what it was. Um, and so they take their leave of the, he takes his leave of the in-betweener and returns to earth. The ancient one, uh, says, okay, I'm going to go back and rejoin, rejoin the universe now, but I'm super proud of you. Um, and then we have a nice little moment where, you know, Dr. Strange is just like, the Sorcerer Supreme, that's just a title. I am what I've been. Uh, 
ultimately the only thing that the title of sorcerer supreme brings him is responsibility and that responsibility keeps him from being able to give Clea what she needs uh excuse me the attention that she needs and uh stuff like that but in the end he he says you know I still have all of the knowledge I've accrued. I still have all of the skills I've accrued. I'm still all I've ever been. Now let's go uh, make that booty clap. (laughs) They, I mean, I like it as a character development for him to be like, because this all started with, you know, he basically culminated as sorcerer supreme as far as he was going to go and the next step was to join uh the ancient one and the the rest of them as a fundamental part of the universe and he was like but i want to be a dude still for a while and they were like well then you can't have the toys and he was like okay and like he made that sacrifice specifically so he could stay around with clea and be a dude and uh then he just didn't get around to it, like to being a dude, like all this stuff. Yeah, happened. he's still he's still struggling with the work life balance. Yeah, but and now he's making. He has made a concerted effort to, you know, identify himself and the problems and like, how do I work toward doing this? Yeah, I, I it's just. It's good i like the way i like where this arc ends with him yeah yeah getting there was nutcaseness but i like where this ends yeah i agree it was not a it was not a bad uh ending to all of this uh i like i said i just wish some of this maybe it happened later but whatever that brings us to <clears throat> Defenders number 58, which has a cover by Ed Hannigan and Klaus Janssen and is written by David Kraft, penciled by Ed Hannigan, inked by Klaus Janssen and Dan Green, colored by Phil Rachelson, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Archie Goodwin. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I hated these issues. <laughs> okay. And there's a whole lot of flappery. Uh, there is a lot of just faffing about in three issues. Yeah, that doesn't really go anywhere worthwhile. So yeah. the way this starts is um, Doctor Strange is at the Sanctum Sanctorum. He's hanging out just, you know, tired and uh, low-key. We we do get a the beginnings of something interesting with Wong. I don't know if this is going to go anywhere. Uh, you know, the, the nature of comics is such that sometimes they will introduce something interesting and then it just gets dropped. Yeah. Um, but Wong starts, starts feeling like, you know, I spend all my time here. I don't... I just kind of serve the master whenever he needs it which is fine i guess but 
I don't know. Is this is this all there is? Um, time will tell <laughs> whether whether that goes anywhere, and you know, we'll see. But uh, what winds up happening here is uh, the strange kind of falls asleep um and this guy called the agent of fortune breaks in and then attacks strange um and steals the eye of agamotto uh the thing we need the... to point out about this asshole is that he's got a beak yeah, he has a chicken beak. For um, reasons? I I don't... It's never discussed. It's it's never addressed. And the guy has never shown up again. So, yeah. he's. We don't know. Is is that part of the mask? Is, is he a chicken man? I really is, thought we were going to get... Uh, what was it? Black, Black Talon? Talon? Yeah, Black Talon. That's who I thought it was. And, yeah. I, and I was like, if it's Black Talon, this could be fun. Uh, you know, do a little brother voodoo things. and uh, da, da, da. No, no, no. Nope. He's just a mercenary for a cult. Yeah. Uh, sent to steal the Eye of Agamotto. Then yeah. we switch to the hospital where Val and Kyle... No, Val and Bruce, they, Bruce. are visiting the dude who got his shit wrecked in an alley fight uh last one of the previous times we read defenders and like so bad that this guy can't even talk um yeah and but he had seen val change into valkyrie um dollar bill shows up and is like hey guys uh let's go to a club you need to rest and relax, and so does he. Let's go. And everyone's like, are you sure we should leave this guy named Ledge? Um, I mean, this seems pretty callous, and Dollar Bill's like, he'll be fine! And it is! Let's just go. And they go. Yeah. So, so, yeah. They, you know, Dollar Bill makes a, cu- a couple of... Uh, of tasteless remarks about like, hey, we could, we could do a remake of the Mummy, and it would star you, you bandagey piece of shit, <laughs> and uh, whatever. Ledge at one point tries to mention the fact that Val is a superhero, um, but Dollar Bill can't shut the fuck up for like two seconds to hear an injured man an injured man's words so he gets out val super and he's like yeah she is super isn't she and it's just like dude shut the fuck up and let him speak um so they go to the felix club and unbeknownst to them there is another table where this woman vera gemini is meeting with eric payne and eric payne we met previously in like marvel team up or marvel two and one and he is the devil slayer um the De- devil slayer started out as as 
Demon Slayer over at Atlas Comics, created by David Kraft and Rich Buckler. Well, I think Rich Buckler, but David Kraft wrote the Demon Slayer comic. Um, and now they've brought him over to Marvel. Whatever. So, Vera is there representing the cult that Eric used to be a Reaper of Souls for. Uh, and she's like trying to bring him back on side. Eric is not having it. What winds up happening is, um, Val, so Val, as they're passing, kind of catches a glimpse of what Eric actually looks like because he's not in, actually in civilian clothes. He's just, it just looks normal when in fact he's still wearing his full like Demon Slayer costume. Uh, she notices something odd and like catches a glimpse of him as he actually is, but doesn't know what to make of it. Um, so Val is really unnerved by the whole thing. Dollar Bill's just like, it's all good, baby. Everything's wonderful. And Bruce is like, you know, your friend's kind of a prick, but he does have a point. Um, we do, you know, we, we do need to chill and also, you know, my whole deal. So let's, let's like, just try to have a decent evening. And he's like, all right, fine. Or she's like, all right, fine. And then, uh, Vera reveals to paint to Eric Payne that they have the eye of Agamotto and that sets him off. And he's just yeah. like, fuck you, no, I knew it. Er, blah, 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 blah. And he changes into Devil Slayer and reveals himself to the room and grabs Vera. This sets Val off because she's like, I fucking knew something was up with that guy. Uh, so she turns into Valkyrie and goes after him. At that point, we have a dumb fight because, of course, we do. Um, Vera is pinned to the ceiling by some goddamn magic and yeah. uh, Val and Devil Slayer go at it in the fray uh, Devil Slayer thinks that Val is part of the cult Val doesn't give a shit she just saw a woman being attacked um, and they manage to keep Devil Slayer off balance enough so that when the excitement of the situation finally gets to Bruce, he turns into the Hulk and um, attacks the Devil Slayer. Devil Slayer's like, I have no time for you, and immediately puts um, Hulk into the pocket dimension inside of his cloak uh, or cape or whatever. At that point, cops finally show up and Payne is like or Devil Slayer's like, I don't have any time for this either. And he grabs Val and they both go into the pocket dimension. Meanwhile, were you tired of Ed or Ned Norris? Whatever. Jack Norris? No, Jack, you weren't. Jack Norris. Yeah. Uh, Cause he's investigating something at, or he's trying to get a hold of Nick Fury at Avengers mansion. I'm tired of Jack Norris. Jack Norris can die in a fire. Um, if he <laughs> fell into a manhole and was never seen again, 
that would be okay. Um, that would be the greatest story Marvel had ever told. Yes, exactly. The slow, uh, sad, lonely <laughs> death of Jack Norris. Uh, cut to a jungle in central Mexico or coastal, Gulf Coastal Mexico, where these two idiots are vaporized by something outside of a temple. Uh, yeah. Learn that it's the goddamn cult. They're going to kill a person, and the so agent of fortune is there, and he's like, I'm ready to be promoted to the new Soul Slayer. And they're like, great, you have to go kill Eric Simon Payne. And he's like, okay, cool. They call forth, or no, that the end of this is they start doing some kind of goddamn human sacrifice ritual that is being spied upon by strange because it's mystical enough it just caught his attention um and he's oh shit well i think i think he was he was looking for the eye of agamotto right yeah using the orb of agamotto and that's how he wound up yeah um the two archaeologists wound up becoming that human sacrifice is the one thing i will point out yeah that makes sense i just thought they just had extra human sacrifice laying around (laughs) the whole this whole thing everything in this is blue oyster cult agents of fortune is the name of one of their albums uh they have a song that mention the title mentions vera gemini and that's who the villain is all of this shit like david Kraft is just like do you like Blue Oyster Cult? I promise you won't by the time I'm done. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, so Defenders number 59 has a cover by George Perez and Tony DeZuniga, written by David Kraft and Ed Hannigan, and inked by Dan Green, colored by David Kraft. Um, inside Demon, uh, Devil Slayer's cl- uh, pocket dimension... He and Val are kind of like squaring off. Val is having trouble orienting herself and constantly like grabbing at her sword. This devil slayer then goes, holy shit, I had this all wrong. He realizes that if she were um, a an agent of the cult, she would be perfectly fine in this shadow dimension and like able to... Uh, handle being in there no problem and also she wouldn't worry about the sword she could pull any weapon she wanted out of her cloak like he can so he's like okay let's stop i had it all wrong i'm sorry you are not what i thought you were so they're able to discuss it he fills her in they come back to the real world uh and he pops the thing back or he pops down to check on hulk not the thing and uh hulk is fighting this big crystalline creature uh so the crystalline creature i guess is sentient and doesn't really know what to make of the hulk (laughs) it's just like you're weird okay and now you're hitting me doesn't bother me you do you bro and uh so they teleport hulk out of there um Hulk is, of course, angry because Hulk is always angry. Um, 
And so he starts trying to attack Devil Slayer, but they're able to calm him down and they go back to the Sanctum Sanctorum. Devil Slayer and uh, Doctor Strange start broing out. And yeah, they uh, just, even, even Val or somebody is like, I feel like they're having a conversation that we're not involved in. Uh, yeah. We're standing here talking, but they're, they're on a whole other magic fuckery level. Um, so he's like, Devil Slayer, I need your help. Let's go get started. Uh, Val and Hulk, why don't you go get everybody else? And it's like, yeah. okay, so we've got yeah. a plan. Meanwhile, the cult is summoning fucking demons uh, named Balathazar. Maybe. Yeah. And he, Balathaz, those demons like, aha, the final machination xenogenesis is on its way. Um, we just have to, you know, call forth our agents that are already in the field and begin the downfall of man. Uh, Balathazar winds up taking the place of some high-ranking military official we find and you know they do what they always do in these situations where it's just like yes we have various agents out in the world and when we see them a bunch of them are like Mao and son of sam and on and on and on and it's just like yeah we get it okay let's move it can be assumed that this world's version of shitty people are all actually demons in disguise. Do we need to see them all? No. No, we don't. Move on. Um, we find out that Vera Gemini, per her name, is actually half demon, half human, and hated by the demons because of that, who consider her existence a blasphemy. But hey, you done good, you shitty demon not thing i don't know i'm tired and this is really dumb anyway we skip so, to hellcat and kyle who are racing and training and apparently just everybody knows that kyle richmond is uh night nighthawk now yeah nighthawk now because he's got like an army of Richmond industrial people or Richmond Enterprises people helping him get into the new jetpack. And yeah. he's not wearing the mask at all. Yeah. Uh, okay. And well, a couple things I will mention here. Number one, the whole point of this is to test Nighthawk's new rig, which includes the jetpack, but also is like the cowl, which has. Uh, microcircuitry in it and stuff like that hellcat wasn't supposed to be a part of this she just can't let anybody have fucking anything yeah so she gets involved and fucks it up and so they wind up having to be saved by the hulk who smashes the device that was testing them um so um they this whole thing winds up um we check in with red guardian 
who from here on out, it seems is going to be stuck under quarantine because she's not, she's not going, her radiation levels are not going down. And the scientists are just like, she's been really cool about the whole thing. And the other guy's like, yeah, but is she going to be, she, is she going to continue to be cool with all of this? Once she finds out that she may never be able to leave. Dun, dun, dun. Moving on. Uh, Doctor Strange and, um, and Devil Slayer do the magical version of docking where (laughs) Doctor Strange proceeds to, uh, use his astral form. Devil Slayer wraps his, forms a circle with his cloak, providing a focus for Doctor Strange, and so on and so forth. Doctor Strange goes into this demonic realm in order to try and find the Eye of Agamotto. In the process, he's able to, however, as he gets closer, the Eye of Agamotto turns his astral form into a corporeal form and then he is seemingly merged with a bunch of demons um demon slayer's like oh shit that's bad and he so without waiting for anybody else he fucks off to mexico when he arrives there the agent of fortune is like here i am i get to kill you and then i can take your place um hellcat hulk and nighthawk are at the Sanctum Sanctorum and Dollar Bill opens the door and he's just like, hey, what's up? Your friend is dead. <laughs> and end of issue. Fucking A. Uh, Defenders number 60 has a cover by Ed Hannigan and Alan Weiss and is written by David Kraft, colored by Francois Mouly, uh, lettered by Rick Parker and edited by Jim Shooter. Um... And this in this issue, the um, the defenders pile into a jet uh, provided by Nighthawk, including for some reason Dollar Bill, and uh, Wong is also there. But Wong, Wong, okay, like he's got to protect the body of Doctor Strange and try and help him. Fine, but Dollar Bill does not need to be there. He is the worst kind of self-insert fucking fan character I've ever seen. I hate him. I hate him so much. David Kraft, if you're reading, or if you're reading this, if you are listening to this show, I want you to know I hate the character of Dollar Bill. And if he is is at all based on you, then whatever you're not invited to my birthday party i don't know what kind of, how to end that um <laughs> yeah that one kind of got away from you i don't uh, want to i i hate the care i was gonna say i hate the character and therefore you but i'm like i don't know i mean like he might be fine it's just like this is just a shitty character yeah whatever i pulled uh, i pulled back from that one at the last minute anyway uh meanwhile demons are pouring through the or demons or devils are pouring through the hole in space that the cult has opened up uh, and uh, do what demons and devils do, which is 
tear the cult members apart. Because, of course, they were going to do that, guys. Duh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Vera switches into her... Vera switches into her um, uh, demon form and goes off to try to control the demons as they're coming out. Um, we switch to the plane where the they're they're on an unscheduled flight, so the U.S. military is like, "Hey, you're not supposed to be crossing through our airspace." Uh, switch to the ground where we find out it's that Balthasar guy in disguise as one of the Air Force generals and he's like blow their stealing secrets blow them out of the sky <clears throat> so they manage to avoid a few of the missiles being shot at them first until Hulk's like this is dumb I'm tired of this and he jumps out of the plane and destroys the fighters um but not before two of the missiles are fired and hit the plane. Everybody piles out. Um, it's great. Dollar bill sucks. Um, they We switch to the temple where Agent of Fortune and uh, Devil Slayer. I'm so tired. They, they're fighting each other. He manages to get just enough taken away blah 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 uh they get everybody gets to the ground um they see a demon hulk jumps after it hellcat tags on a, on a ride nobody's paying attention to um kyle and he is a shitty leader it should have been the one thing i will say is the way that hellcat hitches a ride is she snags onto Hulk's pants. Yeah. And, like, using her claw grappling hook thing. And what I would love, would have loved to have happen there is she doesn't get carried along. She just accidentally rips <laughs> Hulk's pants off. And then you just have a big green ang- hate monster <laughs> dropping in nude in the middle of this cult situation and that would be like as frightening as the hulk showing up would be uh him showing up with a full-blown rage erection <laughs> like just full-blown like oh god what's what's he gonna do um so anyway, everybody, everybody's really slapdick. And I think that's the thing that bothers me the most is I know they're not an actual team. Yeah. I know that's the case. But holy shit, guys. Like, get it together. Um, the, the remaining members, Nighthawk, Val, all of them, are confronted by the weird amalgamation of demons and Doctor Strange's physical astral form. Uh, Right. And Val works out, or Strange is able to, like, communicate to her that she needs to kill him. She does, which frees his astral form to then rejoin his body, and Doctor Strange is now back in it. Hellcat, having somehow caught a ride with the Hulk, 
they wind up in the midst of all of the cult shit. The actual cult members wind up start wind up being called uh, by the demons themselves. They're just like, whatever, you're humans, fuck you. And so they start being ripped apart. Uh, Hellcat has a one-on-one with the agent of fortune. And in the process is able to loosen his cloak and take it for herself. Uh, at the end of this, she still has it. So I don't know. It's like giving a toddler an AK 47, right? Yeah. Um, um, Vera, meanwhile, is playing is playing roulette with a bunch of the other demons, and whoever wins will get absolute dominion over the demons, and she wins, so she does. I'm going to go ahead and assume this is a Blue Oyster Cult reference as well, because otherwise it's a complete non-sequitur in this story it makes no goddamn sense so i am forced to assume it's a blue oyster cult thing and my knowledge of blue oyster cult begins and ends with of course don't fear the reaper and godzilla yeah so sure whatever um (laughs) the end result of hellcat taking his cloak is that the agent of fortune just disappears um, and so I don't, I don't know. Like we said, we never get to find out if he's a chicken man. I want to know, is he a goddamn chicken? But, uh, they, so the plan ends up being Dr. Strange will lead Kyle's physical form with his astral form through the demon dimension to the eye of Agamotto, wherein he will instruct Kyle on how to uh, disable the eye. All that happens. Kyle passes out because the demon dimension is mostly sulfur. and uh, But he's still got the eye in his hands. The We were told earlier that the computers in the um, jetpack will automatically return him to wherever blah 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 contrivance they all get out um man this story's a slog at the end of it uh hellcat turns the agent of fortune's cloak on vera uh she is swallowed into the same weird dimension everybody gets out and uh all because Vera's gone and the Eye of Agamotto are returned to uh, Earth, all the demons are sucked back into their dimensional hole. And yeah. uh, story over. Thank God. I, I hated these issues. I really did. Part of that, admittedly, is the fact that they were very dollar bill heavy. Part of that was the fact that they were very devil slayer heavy and i do not care about devil slayer and part of it is just there was a lot of because like during this fight you are fighting demons okay yeah you're fighting fucking demons 
the world could end. And, like, Kyle is worried the dollar bill will die and his family will sue him for every penny he has. Val is upset because she's like, you know, if I had just assumed leadership when Doctor Strange abdicated, then maybe Nighthawk wouldn't be going through what he's going through right now. And it's like, then stop thinking about it and just step the fuck up. You're in the middle of a fight. Don't be sitting here navel-gazing. This is not the place for it. You are surrounded by hell on earth. Priorities, people. Like, the the only people that seem to be present and aware are fucking Hulk and Hellcat. That's not good. (laughs) Hulk is uncontrollable and can turn on you just as easily. And Hellcat, like, I'm sorry, like, Hellcat's just like, we dicks, we fights. And it's just like, that's cool, but that, why, why is that the person who's most focused on what's going on? Yeah. I, yeah. Which, like I said, you know, and I don't, I don't understand, like, again, Dollar Bill is such an obvious self-insert character because, like, when they're on the flight, Hellcat is talking about what a hunk Dollar Bill is. And it's just like, is he, though? So the way this comes across is just like, yeah, it's going to be me. I won't be a superhero, but I'll be, like, with them and, like, hanging out. And all the women on the team will want the D. But, like, you know... Maybe I'll give it to him. Maybe I won't. We'll see how things go. It's going to be hard choosing between all these hotties. And it's just like, dude, no. 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 It's a bad look. It's a real bad look, my my friend. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway. Before I I knew it it was a self-insert, or it was seemingly a self-insert, I was like, well, this is a weird turn for Hellcat being into soft boys. Just okay. Well, Fine. I don't know. It's whatever. Characters can be into whoever they want, and certainly there have been weirder, like romances in comics. I would point to Donna Troy and her weird ginger husband, uh, but. <laughs> Like, you know, I just, there's a whole, there's a whole lot about this character that points to self-insert. And I think that's ultimately the thing that bugs me about it. Sure. Is having a character fall in love with someone that, okay, you wouldn't expect them to, fine, that's okay. But when I'm reading a character and I'm just like, this, this guy's supposed to be the writer, isn't he? <laughs> and then, like, everybody's just like, look at him. He's so rich and worldly and funny and handsome. And I bet he has a big... And it's just like, oh, God, no. Mm-mm. So, I don't know. I don't know. It, was, it was the 70s. It was the 70s. So, I'm forced to assume that Hellcat was just doing, like, all the cocaine. Um, 
that's the only thing that makes sense to me. <laughs> is it? Ha- it has to be, isn't it? Uh, was cocaine big in the seventies? I thought that was more of an eighties drug. It got really huge in the eighties, but it came to the U.S. in the seventies. Okay. Well, she can do whatever she wants. She's too. The thing is, she's too high strung for heroin. Oh, for sure. And it's so, not. A, and it's not weed because that's a downer. Uh, yeah. As well. So. I guess. And if she to... were on weed, she'd never shut the fuck up about being on weed. So. Yeah. They. That's classic. Admittedly, like, look, I'll admit there's a lot more than just those three drugs. <laughs> so the, she could be all in all kinds of shit. Yeah. But. You know, whatever. I don't. I don't know. It's just so annoying. I hate Dollar Bill so much, and the fact that I know he's going to continue being in this book means that it takes a book that I was actually surprisingly uh-huh. enjoying, yep. and making it fucking awful for me. Yeah, that's that's the biggest disappointment about all of this is that I did. I was enjoying Defenders. It was fun. Um, yeah. It, and, mostly the the valkyrie stuff i was enjoying the shit out of hellcat showing up was like a oh okay good cool let's do that and then it just tanked yeah so all right yeah the watcher's guides top five top five number five is dr stranger yet you know, to avoid confusion. You're a bore man. We don't need to be avoiding... I'm not going to confuse you with fucking anyone. Um, except, yeah. Uh, d- number four. Clea putting a woman in a wall. Uh, not only because it's... The conversation we had around it being funny, but just the sheer... She's actually a lot stronger than I think I give her credit for. And uh, being able to do something like that is not really something I thought she'd do. Uh, But also, hey, maybe don't mess with people in purple jumpsuits. Yeah. Just don't. You you know this kind of shit can happen. Well, and and it shows a very important thing, which is that, you know... When we when we think of magic in these situations or like Harry Potter or what have you, it's just like we magic, but it's literally like as as often in these things as people wind up either controlled by somebody else or uh, amnesiac and not in control of their own actions or whatever else. It's kind of terrifying the sheer amount of, like, pure power over the fundamentals of reality. Like, I know Cyclops is always just like, oh, my eyes could kill somebody. But, like, your eyes are fairly straightforward. Your <laughs> yeah. eyes, like, they have concussive, occasionally heat visiony force. And, yeah, they might be able to put somebody through a wall... But they're not actually going to meld them with the the substance of the wall. They're not going to... You're not going to sneeze and actually accidentally erase someone from reality. Like, yeah. 
You got off light, Scott. <laughs> uh, uh, number three, uh, the onk returning on uh, Strange's forehead because it was it was a really nice touch that already in the middle of a fight where he's like going to punch way above his weight class. Um, yeah. He's like he knows it, and that was it was cool. It was a good cliffhanger for that issue too. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, what is that? Why does that mean? Because yeah. that means all sorts of things. Uh, number two, Spider-Man freaking out. Um, because it was an incredibly human moment. And again, we're talking about like punching above your weight class. Like, holy fuck, he just drilled the thing into the goddamn deck. I'm gone. Yeah. And like having to get away from the situation and hide and take a minute and be like okay okay shit um i'll okay i okay yeah and basically like figuring out that he can't go up against that head-on so he has to do something else but then still being fucking spider-man and coming back to do something else right like yeah. that's that's all good uh and then number one is uh warlock's funeral because it was just a really nice moment for all these characters who had been impacted by him in one way or another to, to have the second to just be like, yeah, that guy was cool and, you know, deal with some of their stuff. It was, yeah. it was nice. I liked it. All right. I'm done. Well, uh, so my number five, uh, this is, this is just, I've, I love the idea of this. And that's like cultists just like fleeing from demons when suddenly there's a whistling sound from up above and one of them just goes, is that, is that a giant green naked guy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then, like I said, just like, yeah, just full blown, like rage boner in the midst of all of that. Like the visual, I know. I generally try to keep. If I'm gonna do a joke response, I try to keep it to something that actually did happen in the issue, and not just some random joke we made. But I can't not laugh at that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Number number four is um, the cover of Doctor Strange number twenty eight. Uh, like I said, it was just a a really it was a cover that popped, yeah. and uh, so yeah. Um, <clears throat> number three is uh, P. Craig Russell's art in the Doctor Strange annual. It was a weird fucking issue and um stuff like that but his art was really beautiful um i assume p craig i'm assuming p craig russell is a is a man and that's that's my own unconscious biases i guess um philip craig russell yes okay that my bad i'm sorry uh number two 
is uh, Spider-Man fleeing because yeah, like you said, not only not only was that a very human moment, it was a it was a very like it was a very realistic human moment of just like I'm way over my head. I don't belong here. <laughs> I I fight I fight guys with pistols. <laughs> like Yeah. And this I, is a the, death the, god. <laughs> the biggest thing I get up to is the goblin and like he's still just a dude he's a flying dude with a gun that's that's yeah. that's it um he's comparatively strong and he carries explosives but like <laughs> he's really just a guy with a glider yeah, yeah this is this is a dude bent on destruction of our star i should not be here yeah uh but also but also this issue is kind of a lord of the rings thing where it's just like frodo destroys the ring like yeah you are just like a low-level dude who just fights bank robbers but you saved the goddamn solar system like good job well done man um and then number one marvel marvel team up in annual number two in general was really good yeah. But um Marvel sort of thinking about it thinking about his own death and just being like I hope that I'm half the half the person in the face of that that Warlock was. I it was a nice moment in general knowing how it's going to end up. First of all, it's just like that much more impactful. And second of all, uh, it's only like four years until they do the death of Captain Marvel. Oh, really? So no, knowing Jim Starlin, he might know about it already. He may already have that percolating in the back of his head. So I don't know. It's, it's a, it's, just a really interesting character moment and I I um I don't know. The next the next the next time there is a Comic-Con, if Jim Starlin's at it again, I want to ask him about that. So, oh, was he at PlanetCon last year? He was, uh cuz cool. I got some stuff signed by him. Oh yeah, you did. Okay. Uh so um that is it for us this week next week we have a little bit of everything uh we've got one more issue of dr strange some captain marvel some power man some ghost rider we begin machine man um it is shit sorry just hit my microphone it is interesting uh we did not read 2001 which is when machine man first showed up um but we are starting machine man and then we have a single issue of x-men just one yeah yeah that's how i feel about it we we have in a few weeks we do have more x-men thankfully uh because I've I've been dying to read some more of that. God damn it! But yeah. oh well. Uh 
yeah so join us for that um in the meantime like us on facebook follow us both individually and at watchers guide mu uh rate and review us wherever you listen to the show uh visit our website at watchersguide.com or email us at watchersguide at gmail.com to tell us how wrong we are about i don't know dollar bill or whatever else dollar bill or i'm gonna ignore you but you know all right uh it feels it feels really weird how i (laughs) this is gonna sound really odd it feels really weird how little hate mail we get um because i feel like if you're on the internet at all doing anything then somebody's going to email you at the at some point and just be like what the fuck is the matter with you i hope you die and (laughs) we haven't gotten any and like on the one hand good but i'm just like on the other hand i'm like should i be worried about that (laughs) anyway (laughs) um so yeah uh have a marvelous week all right, bye.